In a world where social media and outrageous beauty standards reign supreme, Girls in Real Life encourages young women to love themselves by living fearless and filter-free. Society might have its own idea of what a girl should be, but we're here to remind you of what it truly means to be a girl in real life. Now, let's get into this week's episode. Hey, you guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Girls in Real Life podcast. I'm your host, Mariah Clayton, and today we are getting real about making history. I am all for women being trailblazers and leading the way for other women to follow suit. So I couldn't imagine doing this episode with anybody else other than the guest I have today. So I'm going to give her the opportunity to introduce herself and tell us a little bit about her. Hi, Mariah. I am MJ Acosta Ruiz. I am the host of NFL Total Access on the NFL Network and the first woman of color to ever host a show on the network. (laughs) That's so awesome. So I want to like start from the beginning. Did you always know that you wanted to be a host or in the media? Girl, no. Um, I've been a dancer my whole life. So dance was sort of the driving force of everything for me. And ultimately, it's what led me to this career. Um, I'm a firm believer that if you follow your passion, it's going to manifest into where you're supposed to be, even if it doesn't look like what you think it's supposed to look like. Yeah. Um, so my love of dance led me to, you know, dancing professionally for several Spanish artists when I was still living in Miami mm-hmm. in my 20s. This is at the same time when I was taking a break from college because, girl, college zones are no joke. And I was taking what? classes not- <laughs> Not knowing which way I was supposed to go. At the time, I was a business major because I wanted to own my own dance studio. But Math and I are not very good friends. So that wasn't going to work out very well. (laughs) So I took a break from school and said, okay, the one thing I know for sure that I want to do is dance right now. So you know what? I'm going to go audition for every gig and do as much as I can. Through that time frame, I was cast on a television show uh, in Miami. It was a music variety show. So think like... JLo and the Fly Girls, like that's what we were for this show, <laughs> that's right? That's so cool. But that was my introduction to broadcast. Um, funny enough, I had always been like within my family, like Sweet Sixteens or Quinceañeras. I was the one hosting them, but I never, it never clicked in my head to to like marry that into a broader career. Yeah. Um, so being on that show, I really fell in love with with really the behind the scenes aspect of it. I would go in early and talk to producers. I would go up to like master control and check out the control room. I would talk to the hosts and ask them, you know, about their journey. And I was like, oh man, this is it. Like every cell in my body was like, this is what you need to do. But at that point I was 23, 24. Yeah. Hadn't graduated college yet. So I went back to college full force and said, all right, I want to be a broadcast major. Um, got a lot of tough love. They're like, all right, it's not just about being on camera. Like, right. you better get ready to work. And so I did. I said, whatever I need to do, learn every aspect of the industry. Um, and because sports was always such a big part of my life and I was such a fan of sports, um, I knew that I wanted to take a deeper dive into just being a fan to really understanding the X's and O's and the ins and outs. Um, so for me, it was very much about marrying all of my passions to get to this point now and a lot of a lot of work girl (laughs) oh I'm already knowing yeah I love how you said you let your passions lead your purpose because I feel like a lot of times especially with people who don't really know what they want to do they have things that they're passionate about and that they love but they don't know how to make it into a career and I know for me personally like I never knew what I wanted to be growing up. Like I thought I wanted to be a vet and I'm then like, I took you. Right. It's You're like so hard, like, but like, there's so much. 
there's so much pressure. Like I had so much pressure from my mom, my grandmother, and just like society in general saying, you're running out of time. You have to figure this out now. And it was so overwhelming for me that it literally brought me into a depression because I had no idea where my life was headed. And I constantly had people telling me, you need to figure it out. And I'm like, I, I can't, like, I have no idea. I know things that I'm passionate about. I know things that I love to do. But I don't know how I can turn this into a career to where I can actually live off of. So you said you're a dancer. You have been dancing since how old? Since I was nine. Oh, wow. I always wish my parents put me in dance classes, but they never did. I had to beg them, girl. Beg them. Beg them. Beg them. Like my parents. So like my parents immigrated from the Dominican Republic um, here. So like their focus after giving up their full blown careers there to come here and start over yeah. was always making sure that we, we were taken care of, that we were doing things that would set us up in life to be stable and, you know, to, to be lucrative and to put food on the table, which is, this is not a bad thing to have yeah. these values. Um, but I wanted to take it up one more notch and do right by them and by their sacrifices. And, you know, they didn't give all of that, all of that up for me to, you know, just settle for something. Yeah. Um, and so for them, like, oh, you want to do dance? Like, no, no, no. You need to focus on school. You need to focus on your studies. So I get you with that, like, pressure. Like, yeah. you need to eat. No, no, no. Stay focused on yeah. this. Um, but I, I think I had to sort of show them, even as a child, retrospectively, looking back now, where I'm like, no, but this is this is good. This is a good thing. Like you didn't get to do this. So I'm like, yeah, let me do it now. And exactly. Let me, let me live the dream. Let me live. Can I live? As a nine-year-old, right? They're like, right. Um, but I remember as a teenager getting my first job solely to be able to pay for my own dance classes. Like that's all I, I didn't, I didn't care about saving for a car. I was like, I'll walk there. It's fine. Not a problem. More cardio. Like, so it, it's, it's just interesting how even those pressures do, do still manifest in us in different ways. Even if it's not what our parents envisioned for yeah. us, it's like, trust us, we're, we're going to do right by you. I promise. Right. I promise I'm not going to fail. Just give me the space that I need to do what it is that I need and want to do. Yeah. So you were a dancer for the Dolphins. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I was reading about you and you tried out how many times before you made the team? Uh, five times. Oh my goodness. So what was it like being rejected like time and time and time again? Like what made you keep going back? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's sort of the story of life, right? Like whatever we're, we're going to, to go after, we're not always going to get despite how badly we want it. Yeah. Uh, but with dolphins, you know, I, I tried out with my best friends that first year, they all made it. I didn't. Oh, wow. So it was, it, it was, it was a gut punch for sure. But I mean, I was thrilled for them. So I would go to the games and I would cheer them on and I'd go to all their events and stuff like that. But still knowing in the back of my head, like, okay, it wasn't this year for me, but I know I can be there with them. Like we've danced together for so long. I know I have the skill set, right? but it was tough wrapping my head around it. Like, but why, how come I didn't get picked? You know, we always want to know the why. And exactly. Sometimes the why is none of your business. Like sometimes that why could really set you off in a different, like it doesn't matter. The point is I still had it in me to keep pushing for it. So I did four years in a row. And for those not familiar with like how an NFL cheer team audition process is, it's several weeks. It's not like you show up on that day and learn a dance and that's it. Like there's interviews. You have to learn like so much choreography. I mean, it's a really lengthy process because it's a very coveted position. So imagine going through weeks of this. You've already like bonded with the girls. You feel like you're in the locker room. You feel like you could touch it. 
and you know, hundreds of girls at this point have been eliminated. So you're like at the the last group. Yeah. Uh, and then it's but I think because I came so close every single year, I was like, on it. There's got to be a glitch in the matrix. Like I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna try. After the fourth time, I'm not gonna lie. I was like, oh, maybe this isn't this isn't it for me. Like, this is. and then that's when I went um, back to school and focused on my career when I competed at Miss Florida uh, USA, and I did a lot of other things for myself um, to really grow and learn. And I started my career after that. I was 28 the last time, the fifth time I tried out for Dolphin. Wow. And I did it because I still felt like if I don't give this one more try and it's still in my gut to do so, I'm going to regret not trying for the rest of my life. And sure enough, that was the year that I made it. And it was the most, I cheered for one season, and it was the most amazing experience of my entire life, without question. I feel like that's how it is for a lot of people when they're doing something like that. Because for me, it took me three tries to win Miss Louisiana USA. And for you five, like, I probably would have quit after four. I'm not even going (laughs) to lie to you. Like, I couldn't imagine, like, continuing to go back. But even after the second time that I lost, I did not want to compete again. I was at the point where I was like, this is dumb. I'm over it. I'm going to finish grad school. I'm going to move on with my life. Like, whatever that looks like for me. And I had a pageant director, the very first pageant I ever competed in for this title. And she emailed me and she's like, Mariah, there's only one girl competing in this pageant. Like, just come and have fun and just, you know, like, just be in the pageant. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to do this. And I ended up winning and getting to go compete at Miss Louisiana USA. And I had said for months and months that I was not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And here I was again, like at the same spot. And so I said, okay, if I'm going to do this, like I'm going to give it my all because I know this is my last try. After this, I'm not trying no more. Like I got, I can't just dwell on this. So, I mean, I put everything into it and lo and behold, you know, here I am getting ready to go to Miss USA. But I feel like that's a lot of people's stories with auditioning or trying to gain something in life. Like they fail, fail, fail. And then at the end when they're like, oh, this is my last little reach, my last little try and they get it. it. I think that's so cool. But you know what I think it is too? And you mentioned this in your story. It's it's the acceptance part of it. Like, I'm going to give this one more try, but I'm almost at peace yes. if I don't get it. So, yes. you know, it doesn't define you, you know? Yes, that's exactly how I felt like the whole weekend. I was like, I don't care what happens. Like, I am comfortable with myself. I made mm-hmm. peace with whatever's going to happen. God's will is going to be done. And that's just that. And I that think part. sometimes God has to get us to that place of like, just accept what it is like stop trying to want this so bad let me work in your life and just see what I do yeah so you competed in Miss Florida USA what got you started in pageants so I had competed previously in a local pageant I was probably about 20 years old I was I was doing a hosting gig and the gentleman in charge of mine was like you know there's this I was living in Miami this Miss Miami carnival like it's very specific if you're not familiar with like the Caribbean sort of Trinidadian carnival um, culture. That's yeah. what this pageant was for. It was to crown the queen of the carnival. So I was like, all right, dope. Like, I love carnival. Let's go. <laughs> I was like, I'm Caribbean. We can do this. So we go, we do the pageant. It was like whole carnival thing. Um, wardrobe and costume was part of it. It was so dope, girl. I wish I still had that thing. <laughs> um, so I went and I got first runner up. So I was like, okay, dope. Like, this is the first time I've ever competed in a thing. I got first runner up. Like, that's fly. Didn't do it again, but I really, really enjoyed it because there's that performance aspect of it, right? And I'm a dancer, like, 
you know, I can project, I can present. And I really enjoyed, I honestly, we did so many events within the community there leading up to the carnival uh, with the other girls competing. Like to this day, like we're still friends on Facebook and all this stuff with some of the girls on there. So I was like, man, this is cool. Like I, I really, it, it, very felt, it felt very much like the dance community too. Yeah. So years later, it's like my last year of eligibility in the USA um, system. And just coming off of like, my failures as attempting to be a cheerleader. Yeah. A cheerleader. Um, I was like, okay, I, I need something to, to really reinforce that I still have this in me. And people think that pageantry and all of this stuff is easy. It is not. <laughs> as you know, Brian. <laughs> the amount not. of preparation and discipline and commitment it takes for these things, that's always been ingrained in me. So I was like, all right, I want to take on this challenge because that's what it is. It's very, it's, it's not, it's no joke. Like you yeah. have to come, if you're going to compete, you have to commit. And so I wanted to commit myself to something that I knew would not only um, be better for me in the long run, just the experience, but also I knew how involved we were with doing things within the local community. And philanthropy was always really huge for me as well. So I was like, perfect, two worlds combined, Absolutely. And I fell in love with it. Of course, like the last, the only year that I could actually do, like there was no like, oh, come back next year. Right, like, that, this is it. Uh, but I won my prelim. It was Miss Miramar USA in South Florida. And I went on to Miss Florida USA competing with these unbelievable, they think there were 75 women that year wow. across the state of Florida. It was crazy. So many girls. Um, and they were incredible, every single one of them. So I was like, you know what? These girls have been competing their whole life. Like, I'm just, I'm just happy to be here. Right. Like, let's do the damn thing. Let's have a good time. And I get called top 15. I was like, oh, snap. Okay. <laughs> I cool, did cool. something. <laughs> then I get called top five. And I was like, what? I was like, oh, dope. I'm going to be fourth runner up. Like, fly. Suddenly, I'm like in the top three. And I was like, what, wow. is, what is happening? What's going on? Like, at that moment, that was the, I mean, you go to win, obviously, right? Mara? Right. But in my mind, I was like, you know, I don't know. Like, let's see how this works out. And at that moment was, I was like, shit, I could really get, I could really get the crown. And then of course they're like, and second runner up. I was like, all right, there we go. There it is. There it is. The experience of being there, of, of just being amongst these women was, I know people think it's cheesy and cliche. It was the most empowering thing I've ever been a part of. It really and it changed, honestly, it changed the course of my life because the confidence I gained from that the community I gained from that, invaluable. Um, I mean, it was it was just one of those experiences that you feel causes a shift in the paradigm of, of the things that you're doing in your life. And, and it really helped make me feel like I could do anything after that, yeah. honestly. I feel like people don't understand how much pageantry like transfers over into your life because you are competing against some of the most educated, hardworking, sophisticated women ever. <laughs> like, and you have to sit there and validate yourself. Like you can't get so caught up in what everybody else is doing, what they did in the community, what they did to get there, what their dress looks like. Like you really have to sit there and say, Mariah, you are still valuable to win this. Even though she's done this and she's done this, you've also done this and you've also done this and you're also beautiful. So I feel like it yeah. teaches you so many life lessons of not comparing yourself and it, because it's so easy to do that in that type of setting. So I tell people all the time, like, 
pageantry led me on a journey of self-discovery of self-acceptance and like learning how to fully be just authentically Mariah unapologetically. Exactly. I think the, the main thing I learned from pageantry is instead of saying, but, or to saying yes. And yes, she is incredible and she's beautiful and accomplished. Yes. And so am I. Yes. I love that. Incredible. But am I good enough? Like eliminating that and turning it into Two things can exist at the same time. Right. You know I mean? uh, that was one of the biggest lessons from that for sure. I love that. Okay, so you are the first Afro-Latina woman to host the NFL Total Access show. Can we just talk, first of all, congratulations, because that is amazing and outstanding. And you are like blazing a path for so many other women. How did you get to this point? <laughs> yeah, I mean, blood, sweat, and tears, to put it briefly and very bluntly. Um, yeah, I'm actually the first woman of color to host period across the network. Wow. Um, which is huge. It's, it's a huge shift, I think, culturally to for the sports uh, broadcast landscape where they are, you know, more women like me, Maria Taylor, Taylor Brooks, Joy Taylor. It's a lot of Taylors I see there. In the, <laughs> I just realized they're not seeing it all together. All queens, all dear friends of mine. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's a testament to how representation matters, right? To be able yes. to see these women reflection of yourself on the screen and it reflects the people who are watching the game and it reflects the people who are playing the game. Yeah, I think it's important for, for just for representation too, but the path here has taken almost a decade. You know, it, it's a lot of learning, a lot of reps, a lot of paying your dues. Um, you know, I started in, in local news um, mm-hmm. covering... I covered youth sports before that and high school sports. And it's just really getting the reps, understanding the game, uh, understanding the ins and outs, the process for the players, building relationships and building your credibility within the sports world, which is very, very difficult because nine and a half out of 10 times, I was the only woman. I was Mm -hmm. the only person of color or both. Um, So that in and of itself presents challenges. But for me, I never walked into a locker room or a clubhouse and thought, oh man, I'm the only one. I was like, hey, I'm the only one, let's go. You have to own it and sort of turn it, and it's actually a benefit to me because it's one less barrier between me and and the players who look like me. You know, the guys were that much, like could speak to me that much easier because they're like, she gets it. She understands where I'm coming from. Or like, she looks like my sister. She looks like my mom. She looks like my wife. You know, so it's that comfortability, again, that representation. And then on the Latino side, covering baseball, like, I'm good. I don't need a translator. Like, I'm full. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> all right. You know what I mean? So it's like, it, it, it's owning those moments, even if you're walking into a space that has previously been dominated by a certain demographic, it doesn't matter. It's not easy, to be clear. It oh, does feel sure. uncomfortable. And there are challenges and people will even cut you off or try to make you feel small in that space. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's getting out of your head and it's not, sometimes you got to like fake the funk, like you got to walk in there. Like you own the room. Exactly. Even if you don't feel that way inside mm-hmm. because like, never let them see you sweat has been sort of my mantra this yeah. entire career. Um, but that doesn't mean it doesn't come with its challenges. You know, sometimes you get home and you have nothing left because you've had to arm yourself the whole yes. day <laughs> just to get through it. Um, but thankfully we're, I think we're getting to a place where it is getting better. Uh, but there is still a very, 
been here for a long way to go for sure. Yeah, I feel like we've definitely progressed in a lot of different areas as mm-hmm. a country, but there's still so much more work that needs to be done in all aspects, but especially women in the workplace and having that representation because it is important. And, you know, having young girls look on TV and say, oh my goodness, she looks like me, or I can see myself doing that. Like that has always been so important to me. So do you feel a certain type of pressure like being that representation does that intimidate or scare you at all or do you take that on as like yes like this is me I'm the one who's trailblazing this path for other people yeah it's a little bit of both to be honest with you like I think you you, I now more so than ever but it's not intimidation or or fear of um of doing it because that's that's always been part of the path you know, yeah. it was very obvious and present, especially in the sports world. But yeah, it's a little bit of both. It's the weight of knowing that my success means success for those behind me that look at me who are trying to break through as well. Because you know, right, like the margin of error as both a woman and a woman of color is basically non-existent. Like you cannot fail because so quickly people tend to be like, oh, we'll see. Mm. That's why we can't have no black girls on the show. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. does it sound crappy? Yes, it's awful, but that is the reality. But right. it's very much the reality. So I take that super seriously. And I know that my success means more doors open for other women who are coming behind me. I think a lot of people say, like, hold the door open. Mm-hmm. I like to say, like, girl, I'm going to Home Depot making you a copy of the key. Like, I got you. <laughs> you I love I mean? that. Okay, well, we are sadly running out of time. And I have one last question to leave you with. And it is, what is the biggest life lesson that you have learned so far? Oh, girl, there's a lot. Um, <laughs> I think the biggest life lesson is to be prepared to pivot at any turn. I think especially in a year like this in 2020, we have to sort of resign ourselves to what comes at us um, and be ready to be flexible and change our plan. I think sometimes we want to have control so badly and like, this is my five-year plan. If we've learned nothing this year is that things can change in an instant and you have to trust in yourself and what you've built to know that you're going to handle it and you're going to be okay. And also lean on your village. We can't do it all by ourselves. Yeah. Lean on your, on your people, you know? I like how you said pivot because you're a dancer. That's just me being yeah. kind. <laughs> MJ, thank you so much for joining me today. Like this was absolutely amazing. You're amazing. And I'm so grateful that you decided to come on my show. So go ahead and give everybody your social media so that they can follow you and learn more about you. Yes, you can follow me at MJ Acosta TV on all platforms. I am so excited for you. Go kill it at the USA. <laughs> Do you remember I messaged you when you won? Really? Yes, oh, I remember. I was rooting for you. I am rooting for you at every step of the way, not just at Miss USA, but far beyond. You are going to crush it. Well, thank you so much. And thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you all enjoyed this week's episode and I will talk to you guys next week. (laughs) Bye. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this week's episode. I hope that it was able to enhance your life in some way. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast before you leave and also follow us on Instagram at underscore girls IRL. Go out and live a fearless and filter-free life and always remember to keep it real.